Amen. Emotions part two. Everybody say emotions. Are you emotional? You are? You guys are loud today. This is pretty good. I get emotional too. We all have emotions, right? We get emotional about sports, right? Some of you will this afternoon. Politics, relationships, work, kids, church, everything we get emotional about, right? And uh, I was thinking about it this week. We all have these emojis on our phone, right? So grab your phone real quick. I'm going to show you some of the emojis here. And so today my challenge is, kind of like last week, get a photo from church, post your emoji. Really the goal is to share the gospel, right? So put it on Facebook and, uh, and take a photo and maybe a scripture from today or a quote from today. And uh, I think that's important, or a selfie of David uh, from today. But a lot of our life, a lot of our world is controlled by what emotions we have in the moment, right? We're emotional creatures. God gave us emotion for a purpose. Do you know that we're controlled by our emotions? Yes, a lot of times. Do you know that I've made bad decisions because of emotions that I've had? Anybody else? Right? You've said something you shouldn't have. You've made a quick decision. You've been, and I've been, emotional. Last week, the whole goal of this sermon series is to go through these emotions that Jesus has had, just like us, but yet he decided to do something different than we decide to do every day. Jesus was and is emotional. When he was here, he was 100% man. So he was emotional. He had emotions just like us. He went through everything that we've gone through and more. At more intense pace. But yet he's also 100% God. And so his emotions will keep in check because he knows God's will. Church, do you know God's will for your life? He's like, I don't know, I'm still trying to figure out the will. God's will for your life is to put him first and to follow him, know his word, pray, bring up your kids to love Jesus. That's God's will for your life. And when we're doing that, I find that the right doors and the right windows are opened or closed because we're in God's will. Amen? He was deeply distressed. Last week we talked about Jesus at Gethsemane. He was deeply distressed, the Bible says. My soul, in the word it says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. Now, maybe you're in that place now. Maybe you've been in that place before. But Jesus could feel what was coming next. The cross at Calvary. Look at the verse we used last week, Mark 14, 36. If you have a way to take notes, take some notes. I have some stuff there, but you can write in your own. But look what it says, Mark 14, 36. Abba, Father, he cried out. That's, we see the closeness in that word Abba. It's like you saying Daddy. It's your closeness with the Father. Everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. 
didn't stop there. Yet, I want your will to be done, not my own. Last week, we, re- we learned to run to the Father. That was the first point last week. I run to the Father. Guess what Jesus did in that emotional moment? He ran to prayer. He ran to be with his heavenly Father. Church, we need to do the same. Number two, confide in God and others. Listen, he spent that moment in prayer, but guess what? He also told some of his closest disciples, I'm in sorrow, I have distress. They saw it on his face. They saw the, the Bible says, he, they saw the, the sweat that was full of blood dripping to the ground because of the stress that he was going through. Number three, I will submit to God's will over my emotions. We saw through Jesus in Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. And you know that Jesus asked God three times? Because guess what? He was 100% man. He had emotions. He's like, are you sure? Because he knew the cup that he would be taking would be the judgment for all mankind for all time. And that was a lot for one person to bear. And then the last one, I will stay awake. Remember the disciples? They were sleeping. And I feel like a lot of times in our culture, in our churches, people are sleeping. We're kind of half there. No, Jesus says, stay awake so that you won't be pulled away and pulled into something else. So you can go back and read that story if you missed last week, or you can go online and watch it. But today we're going to go from the emotions of Gethsemane to the emotions of the cross. And at the very end of the message today, we're going to take communion together and remember the sacrifice that we've talked about today. So can we stand up for the reading of the word today? We're going to read through Mark uh, chapter 15, 21 to 32. And um, in the NIV, there's no verse 28, just, just in case anybody gets confused. <laughs> Look what it says here. A man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander Rufus, was passing by on the, on the way from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha. Then they offered him, verse thir- 23, then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so... You who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Grab the hand of those that you came with today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you today that we can come, we can hear your, your voice through your scriptures. 
Lord, we pray you reveal this moment at the cross to us, the emotions that you went through and the sin that you took there for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. The crucifixion was one of the most or the most brutal things that could happen to the human body. At this point that Jesus went to the cross, he had already been flogged. If you know what that, maybe you don't know what that is, you're tied to a post and someone with, with a whip, multiple ends on it, with glass and nails and all sorts of things you couldn't imagine, they would whip him 39 times, actually 40 times. And so he's already losing blood. They had already put a crown of thorns into him right here, and it, he would be bleeding from the face and the forehead and the back of the head from these, this crown of thorns. The crucifixion would consist of nailing his hands. Some people say in the actual hand. Some people say right here. It's okay. Jesus did it. We'll find out later which one is right. And then they would nail his feet also to the cross, and they would raise the cross up. By this point, he could go into shock because of all the blood loss. He could suffocate by not being able to pick himself up to, to breathe. He could possibly be dehydrated. He could possibly have a heart attack. His heart could rupture because of congestive heart failure. There's all sorts of things happening. That's why they did this on the cross to all sorts of people, including Jesus. You can kind of see a visual, can't you? Imagine being there. You know, we get... This English word excruciating, you've heard that word before. We get that from a Roman word that comes from crucifixion, that comes from out of the cross, excruciating. Imagine, consider how terrible a moment that would be to watch or partake in or for it to happen to one of us. And imagine the emotions that Jesus would have there for thinking about us. Thinking about, because remember, yes, he's 100% God. He knows the mission and the vision. But he's also like us in that moment. And not as much of the physical but more of the emotions from what's happening spiritually that we're going to learn about in these coming verses. Look at Mark 15, 33 to 34. At noon, darkness came over. So imagine it was 9 o'clock when they crucified him at noon, so three hours later, darkness came over the whole land until 3 in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I only have a couple points today. The first one is this, sin separates. Church, sin separates. 
So this emotion that Jesus is going through, this, his whole ministry, his whole life, you'll see all through the Gospels that at night he would go and spend time with his heavenly Father. Whatever moment he would be going through, it may have been a great day, it may have been a bad day, but a lot of times you'd find him, like, the disciples are like, Where, where's Jesus? He's off on a hillside somewhere speaking to God. And in this moment, because of sin, he feels separated and forsaken from God. And really, in part, he is. And I'm going to explain it to you here. Sin separates from God. Look at our life. Have you sinned and it has separated you from somebody? Or you've lost friendships or marriages or whatever it could be. It separates you from people. And sin separates us from God. Look what happened in the garden. We have Adam and Eve. And they were doing well, and Jesus or God would come and walk with them in the cool of the day. And then they sinned, and it separated them. And God would show up like, hey, where's, where's Adam? I hid. Why'd you hide? Because I was naked. Sin came into the world. It separates. The first four commandments that we learn about in Exodus separate us from God, right? You could probably mention them, no gods before me. Don't make any idols before the Lord. Don't misuse God's name and keep the Sabbath day holy. And when we sin, we separate us. When we disobey God, it separates us. It gets us further and further away. God's not moving away from us. We are making a separation between us and him because of our wrongdoing, because of our sin. And then if we look at the other six commandments, right? Those commandments that are other, others, honor your father and mother, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie to people, don't covet. All of those separate, those sins separate us from each other. Sin separates. That's why our world is in a big mess right now. Because no one's talking about this stuff, except for here at church, right? Lots of churches, hopefully all the churches People are like, what's wrong with the government? What's wrong with the world? They don't know Jesus. And they don't know that sin separates. They're like, oh, we need to vote in this person and this person. Listen, if they don't know Jesus, it's not going to change anything. And so that's why God is saying to the church, it's your moment to shine bright. The Bible says, shine bright. Don't put your light under a bowl. It's time to shine it's time to show the world who he is. Not who you are, who he is through you. Amen? Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from people. You know, the hardest thing that I endured in my life was my parents getting separated. You can look back, maybe in your life, maybe your parents got divorced. That was the worst moment in my life, is my parents saying, we don't love each other anymore. You got to go live with one of one or the other. It's heartbreaking. That was the worst moment of my life. I'm hey, I turned 37 on Thursday. That was almost yeah. That was almost 30 years ago and it still affects me to this very day. Sin separates. It changes things. And separation brings out many emotions. I remember when I was eight, nine years old, 
I'd lived with my mom for about three years, and I wanted my dad all the time. I was so sad. Right? A boy needed his dad. Like, I would cry. I would call him up. Come get me. I'm just being real with you today. I didn't feel abandoned, but there was loss. There was anger. There was confusion. There was sadness. And it affected me greatly. Sin separates. Sin separates us from our Heavenly Father, too. Look what it says in Isaiah 59, 1 to 3. Isaiah 59, 1 to 3. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities, that's a Bible word for sin, your sin have separated you from your God. Your sins had hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken falsely, and your tongue mutters wicked things. Look, it's right there in the Bible. Sin separates us from God. And why is Jesus in this moment at the cross? Because there is a problem. Sin entered the world. And God loved us so much that what? He gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And then what Holly said earlier. He didn't come into the world to condemn you. He came into the world to save you through him. That's scripture. Come on, church. And so imagine this moment. Jesus is hanging there. That's why we have these here. He's hanging there on this cross. And all of the sin is on his shoulders. All of this stuff had, that has separated us from God is on him. Listen, I don't know exactly why God used blood to... I, I don't know all of everything, but this is how he chose to do it. And he needed a perfect sacrifice, a sinless, perfect lamb who could take the weight of the world. We make all sorts of decisions from our emotions. You know, people decide to cheat, maybe on a test or on a spouse because of emotions. People steal, do drugs, get drunk, all sorts of things because of emotions. In all of these sins, we show that we're missing the mark. We have a target at the end, and we're, Emma and I sit in the backyard with our bow and arrow. Hopefully it doesn't go over the fence. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and we're back there, and guess what? When we miss the mark... We're like, oh, I missed it. I sinned. And all of these sins have repercussions. All of these sins affect. You know, someone has probably sinned and affected your life. You know, my dad had a relationship outside of marriage. It affected my life. 
It affected my mom, my, my brother and sister, and my family, and the future. But the good news is Jesus took all of those things on him. So instead of today being condemned, understand that Jesus did this for you and for me. And even to the point that God couldn't watch because God cannot be around sin. And so imagine in that moment, Jesus, remember every day he's having this relationship with God. He's having this relationship and how emotional it would have been that God turned this direction. He said, God, why have you forsaken me? But it was only for a moment. Look at this, First, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. You're going to see why this was changed here. Look. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. You know, this reminds me today that there is a real place called heaven. And there's a real place called hell. And that Jesus came to make sure that we were with him forever. Because in the end, sin separates, but for a moment, for believers. But guess what? Sin separates others for eternity. God works in the realm of eternity, we, we think of, of time and space, this kind of line, this linear line, where God is outside of that time. We're like, oh, I'll be here, I'll live this amount of time. And but there is a moment where our life here will be completed, but there is a place called eternity that will go on forever. And the Bible is very clear that hell is a place, or where, wherever that is, that we are separated from God forever, and I don't want to imagine any more beyond that. And so the worst part of that is that we live on forever in either place, heaven or hell. And what's difficult about that is we can't understand. But we do have someone who knows Look at Revelations 14, Revelations 14, 11, and 12 says, The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night. For they have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. Verse 12, This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, Obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. Sin separates. But Jesus took it all on the cross. Because of the blood that he shed. The broken body that he gave. For you and for me. And yes, if we stood be, before the judge and said... You've got however many violations. You're convicted. You are officially a sinner. But then guess what happens? 
on that day of judgment. Jesus is there and says, no, no, Andrew's been forgiven. Vicky has been forgiven because the blood has covered over all of her sin. Not some of it, all of it. David is forgiven. He can come in. Not because of what David did, but because of what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary 2,000 years ago for all mankind, for all time. And the Bible just says you got to believe it in your heart to say it with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so before we go today, can we stand and if you could try to get your um, communion cups ready. There are a little difficult. Help your friend, neighbor. The top one is the bread. The, the next one is the the uh, cup. And then um, if anybody needs one, would you put your hand up? We'll bring one around. Put your hand up and we'll, we'll bring you one. Okay. We've got one over here. I want to share this last, this very last idea today. Number two is Jesus redeems. Jesus redeems. Isn't that awesome news? Yes, I was dead in my transgressions and sin. But guess what? Jesus came and he took all of the weight. And none of us could do that. Ephesians 1, 7 to 10 says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He has showered His kindness on us. Along with all wisdom and understanding. Verse 9 says, God has now revealed to us his mysteries, mysteries regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Listen, church, he's saying here that this momentary thing you're going through, this moment that we're in in history, will soon come under Christ's authority. Everything in heaven, the Bible says, and on earth, in Jesus' name. break this little wafer. This represents Christ's body given for you. Could you say he gave it for me? Let's take together.
And this juice represents the blood of the new covenant. God had made covenants with Abraham, and, but this is with all mankind, is if you put your faith in Jesus, this can be yours. Forgiveness. He took the cup of suffering. He took the cup of judgment. He took the cup of sin. Now we get to take the cup of grace, the cup of forgiveness, because of the blood that he shed for us. Let's take together. thank you for your blood. Thank you for your body that was broken for us. That we get to re sit here and remember. But not just remember. Go forward knowing that you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. That you brought us under your head when we follow you. Lord, I bless. I pray that you bless those who are here today. Lord, that you would make yourself real to those who maybe don't know you yet or maybe aren't close to you yet, including me. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen, amen. Can you